I want to take some time over the next few days, and I want to give you this thought that productive missions is personal. Would you say that with me? Productive missions is personal. One more time, nice and loud. Productive missions is personal. Very few church members really, really have any idea of what missions is really all about. Now, if I was to ask you tonight, some of you would say, well, missions is about uh, people going to a foreign land and uh, preaching the gospel. And you'd be right in that. You'd be right. Some would say, well, it's someone going to a foreign land and they establish a church. And you'd be right in saying that. That's right. But to really understand what missions is, we've got to make it more personal. You probably know what a missionary is. You know that. You've had some come through. You've supported some over the years. You know what a missionary is. You may know some of the missionaries that your church supports. You may know them by name. You may write them letters. You may fill a container with goods to ship to them. You may know some in even your own homeland. You probably know that the church gives some money to help those missionaries. And your church gives a great deal to help missionaries. And I praise the Lord for that. That's a wonderful testimony. That's a great sign of God's uh, grace upon you. And, and you understand a little better than maybe some what missionaries need. You probably know that those missionaries are trying to give others the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sadly, I find few really get and understand what missions is all about. And all because we don't understand the personal, the personal aspects of missions. I want to take a look at Philip tonight and through him show you that productive missions is personal. Let's look at our text tonight in John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 37. You read along with me tonight. It says, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now Jesus has just made his way. John says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And they hear Jesus speak, and they follow Him. Verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following Him, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto Him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master or Teacher. Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where He dwelt, and abode with Him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed Him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon. I want you to notice now as I read through here, how many times the word find, come, and found are used. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Savior. And he brought him to Jesus And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is is by interpretation, Al Stone. I'm sorry, A Stone. We're just missing one letter there. Or as my Filipino friends like to say, Pastor Al Stone. Filipinos never call me Al Stone. It's always Pastor Al Stone. I don't know why the whole thing, I don't know if it sounds better or it's Filipino or what, but Salamat Po. I don't know. Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. See that? And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
And Nathanael said, said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Wow. Over and over again. They went. They found. They take another. They bring them to Christ. They have found Him. What an amazing thing. This is personal missions. This is what we've got to grasp. This is what we have to get hold of if we are ever going to understand what missions is really all about. There's some great stuff going on here. Stuff at first that maybe we'd miss. Let me show you some personal touches that produce some incredible missions. Number one tonight, people personally pilot people. People personally pilot people. Andrew, following John the Baptist, meets Jesus. Hears him speak and tells Peter, we have found the Messiah. Just in hearing him speak, just the words that he gave. Now, we don't know what he said. We, we don't know the dissertation he gave. We don't know what preaching was going on. But they said, we have heard him and we know by what he has said. Now, we know that Jesus spoke with authority. We know that he spoke with great power. Now, when you hear those words tonight, you, you often think that maybe he was loud. We often equate that sometimes. Powerful, loud preaching. My father-in-law was a, a great preacher, Dr. Roy Thompson. Some of you knew him. Dr. Thompson was a big man, burly man, and he was tall and all those things. And when he would preach, it would shake the building sometimes. Sometimes we think of that. I don't think Jesus was necessarily a loud preacher. But when he spoke, he commanded people's attentions. I tell young preachers sometimes that's something that's almost a lost art today. Connecting with people and keeping their attention. That most preachers, once they go 15 or 20 minutes, most people's attention starts to waver. I was in a meeting not too long ago. Preacher preached an hour and 20 minutes. I have to tell you, he lost me. And I'm a great Christian. <laughs> not many of us can take that much time. Jesus would speak and people would listen. It was something different. It was something in passion. People say to me all the time, Brother Stone, you're so passionate about Canada and about reaching Canada, about being Canadian, all those things. You better believe it. I love this nation. I love what our nation has become. In many ways, I'm discouraged in some ways. I'm praying that God will change some of those things. We're seeing some things happen now that were not my Canada growing up. They were not the Canada that you grew up in or that you came to. And so I want our Canada to be that Canada. I had the privilege a few years ago of spending about an hour with Prime Minister Stephen Harper. It was, it was awesome. It was a dream come true. I, I wanted to meet him. God had instructed me to talk to him. And, and, and I had the privilege of leading our, our, uh, our uh, uh, member of parliament to the Lord. And he arranged for me to meet the prime minister. He came to St. Thomas. And I gave him a letter. And I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I know we don't have much time, but I've got a letter for you. I have some instruction from God. Take us back to the old paths, Mr. Prime Minister. Take us back to what Canada once was when families got together and people worked hard and made some money and, 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 and had some good times and were able to look forward to a future. Take us back to those old past before abortion and take us back to, to those old past before this, this whole sexual generation thing and, and, and get us back there. And he sent me a very kind letter, but I'll tell you what, he didn't take us back. And he lost the election by the greatest defeat we've ever known in our nation. I want to tell you that we need in our country today some people that will look for and listen to Jesus Christ. We need a nation that will hear Him. Preacher, I'm praying for you. I love Brother Elcock. He is one of my dearest friends. 
He, he's a, a younger man who has many times texted and said, Preacher, what do you think about this? Preacher, pray about this with me. Preacher, help me with this. I love that about him. And, and I've had times where I've contacted him and said, Hey, listen, what do you think about this as a younger man and, and in your situation? What do you think about this? In fact, we just talked and I said, Hey, I, I need some suggestions. I've got an awesome opportunity available to me. Give me some ideas. What do you think? I love that. As impassioned as I am about our nation, and as impassioned as I want to be about the things of Christ, people have got to know Jesus Christ. They've got to hear His voice. How do they hear it? Well, they hear it through the reading of the Word of God. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I see those those letters in red and I know it's Jesus Christ, I try to envision in my mind how He spake or how He spoke. What seek ye? Did He say, what seek ye? I don't think so. What seek ye? What are you looking for? What do you want? He knew. He knew, but he wanted to hear from them. What's seek? He says, come and see. Come and see. No. Come and see. You want to know where, I, you know, know where I'm at? You want to know where I'm living? Come and see. I think Jesus had a great sense of humor. I think we often think Jesus was very stoic. Know this, that when the disciples traveled with him, they didn't just, those 12 guys just didn't go by themselves. They brought their families. Their families would have gotten traveled with them. As they went around the Sea of Galilee, I mean, it's again, if you can go and see it, the villages aren't that really far apart. Nazareth is a good day's walk over to the Sea of Galilee. And then to go from, from Magdala, or from Tiberias to Magdala, around to uh, Bethsaida, to uh, Capernaum, to uh, Chorazin, they're all right there. And, and so they're going saying, hey, today we're going to, we're going to Tiberias, let's go. Or, or we're going to go over here to the southern village. Let's go. And they'd go and they, they, they'd maybe spend the night and they'd camp out and they'd sit around a fire. And they'd have their children. And Jesus, you know, suffered the little children to come in. I believe it's Jesus played with the children. I believe he tossed them up in the air. Maybe he piggybacked them. I don't know. But, but he was, he was a human. He was, he was a natural human. He was God, but yet he was man. And as a natural man, I love children. I love I love to entertain children. I love for kids to get something. I love to give kids stuff free. Hey, take that home. Take that home. I want you to have that. I love to buy kids ice cream. My father-in-law used to do that. I try to buy kids ice cream. I love preachers' kids. I love, I love to spend time with them and encourage them. And I, Jesus was that kind of person. Come and see. He had something about him. He said, come, come, we have found the Messiah. And then he utters the next, the next thing that makes missions personal. Says, and he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. He didn't just tell him. He didn't just send him. He brought him to Jesus. Now, listen to me now. Get this. This is crucial. This is crucial. Write it down somewhere. Put it in your mind. Get your cell phone out and put it in a note. You will never really get missions till you yourself bring people to Jesus. You got that? Bring people to Jesus. Someone brought you to Jesus. A Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a, a mother or father, a brother or sister. Someone brought you to Jesus. Now, here's a very sad statement, and you listen to me now. I'm telling you, I've traveled across this nation. I've preached in most of our polls. Listen, I'm telling you this. People are not bringing people to Jesus. They're not. Our churches are struggling today because people are not bringing people to Jesus. They're bringing them to church. Now listen, listen to this. Church, you answer me tonight. Church, is it designed for the saved 
or the lost. It's designed for the saved. Come on, I'll say it together. Saved or lost? The saved. It's for the saved. You, you find Christ, you come and get baptized, you join the church, you get discipled, and in that discipling we are told to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We've got it mixed up. Hey, if we bring them to church, we're having an Easter program, and I'm all for it. Listen, we're inviting people. I invited my neighbor to come to an Easter program. She said she's going to come. I'm all for that, but here's what we do wrong. We say, hey, if we get them to church, the, the, the pastor will preach, and they'll get saved. I'm done. Oh, no. Oh, no. The design was to go and find someone who did not know Jesus and bring them to Jesus. And church, I'm telling you tonight, you will never understand missions. You'll never give to missions. You'll never understand the work of missions until you start bringing people to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the hard question. When's the last time, if ever, you brought someone to Jesus? Come on now, let's answer that question in our hearts tonight. When's the last time you took a Bible and showed someone how to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? When's the last time in the break room at work that you sat down and said, Hey, we got 15 minutes. Can I tell you how Jesus Christ changed my life? Hey, would you come over to our house and have supper? We're, we're going to have Pensat tonight, and, and I want you to come. We're going to have some. Come on over. We're going to fly some steaks up on the barbecue. Come on over. We want you to come over and spend some time with our family. Get to know us a little bit. And they come over and you begin talking. You say, listen, we've got to tell you what, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in our lives. We want you to know Jesus too. When's the last time you personally took a Bible and showed someone how to get saved? I'll tell you this, that 90% of people in our churches have never led anybody to Christ. How sad is that? What if that person that led you to Christ had the same attitude? Let me ask you this. If your church growth was dependent on you, how long would it be before this church died? I was talking to a preacher today. I just did a, I do a podcast on Tim Talks. T-I-I-M Talks.com. Tim Talks. It's just two preachers that talk about being in the ministry and different things. And we were talking about soul winning this week. And a young preacher texted me and said, Hey, that's a great, that's a great podcast today talking about soul winning and the need of soul winning again. I said, I know it's, it's important. He said, you know, our people really have lost uh, the knack of soul winning. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Our preachers have lost, lost the knack for soul winning. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, tell me three preachers you know that have won somebody to Jesus Christ in the last month. About 15 minutes later, he named two. I want to tell you, we got to get back to soul winning. Preacher, we got to get out of the office. Preacher, we got to tell people, hey, listen, if you want me, i got a cell phone. I'll be at Tim Hortons. Don't go to Starbucks. Nobody gets saved at Starbucks. Nobody. No, they, those people can't get saved. I'm telling you, they're reprobates. They're not, they can't. I'm kidding. Not really, but. <laughs> you go to Starbucks, you go to Tim Hortons, you go to Dunkin' Donuts in the States, you go to wherever you want to go. Sit down there, do your devotions there in the morning. Sit there for a few months. People will see you with your Bible open and ask you what in the world you're doing. Or other people will come by and sit by you and then you can start a conversation. We need to get where people are at. We, we, need to, we need to forget about all the other things that we're concerned about in this life and realize the most important thing we've got is telling people about Jesus Christ. Until you attempt that, until you attempt to win other people to Christ, you'll never know the fear, the frustration, the fight, the fatigue, and the fruition, as well as the festivity of missions. Listen, I'll tell you why we're not telling people about Jesus Christ. We're scared to death. 
We're tired of being rejected. We feel that there's no hope. We feel that the world has turned too far away. I mean, we've just legalized marijuana in this nation. People don't want Christ. Can I tell you that those people running to marijuana and running to drugs and running to pornography clearly tell us that's exactly what they need because they're trying to find something to fill the void of this life. And they're trying to find it in those things that don't bring any kind of peace or contentment. They need Jesus. They just don't know it yet. A missionary is you bringing people to Jesus here and bringing people to Jesus there. That's missions. You'll never emphasize and sometimes sympathize with missionaries until you first learn what it is to bring others to Jesus. Most churches are built by people bringing people. That's how it started here. People bringing people to Jesus. Now, look at this, number two. People personally perceive people. People personally perceive people. Look at this with you in verse 44. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So, Andrew goes to get his brother. Those two guys together go home. They go to Bethsaida. I've been there. I've seen it. The house of fish. That's what it means. Bet, house, Seda, fish. Why do you think God added that little tidbit of information for us? Philip lived in the same city as Andrew and Peter. Do you think maybe Philip knew Andrew and Peter? I think he did. Those villages weren't that big. Maybe a few thousand people, the most. They knew each other. Here come Andrew and Peter saying, Hey, everybody, we found the Messiah. We were down there, uh, Andrew was down there listening to John the Baptist and Jesus comes along and we heard him speak and we knew he was the Messiah and we've traveled all the way back up here to the, the, the Sea of Galilee and, and we're in our town and, and we told our parents and we told our brothers and sisters and, and we told our cousins and, and everybody's talking about, hey, uh, Andrew and Peter uh, found the Messiah and they're following him and here comes someone now hearing the talk. <laughs> and Philip, here's what they're saying. Do you think that Philip knew Peter and Andrew in their story? Maybe as a friend or relative? Do you think that in a fishing village of maybe a few thousand people that Philip may have heard about the conversation of the brothers? No doubt in my mind. Now watch this. Look at verse 43. Jesus would go forth and findeth Philip and says, follow me. Then in verse 45, Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found him. Wait a minute, that that seems contradictory. Jesus goes forth and finds Philip and says, follow me. Then in verse 45, Philip says to Nathanael, we have found him. Who found who? Well, the answer is both. Who's we? To lend credence, I believe Philip is including without mention Peter and Andrew. Me and Philip and Andrew have found the Messiah. We found Jesus. Jesus predestined to do so and Philip obviously looking to find Christ. There are people in your life that are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. Your neighbors are looking for Jesus. Your workmates are looking for Jesus. Your classmates are looking for Jesus. The people that, that drive these streets are looking for Jesus. I love this city. I love the city of Toronto. I wanted to come here as a young preacher. I wanted to go to Oakville and start a church so desperately. And God said, no, I'm going to put you in St. Thomas. I love, I don't even mind getting stuck in traffic here once in a while. I don't know if I can do it every day. But I just love this. I love the hustle. I love the, the, the scores of people. I, I love the diversity. This church has a diversity. St. Thomas, 40,000 people. 
We did not have a person of color in our church until about five years ago. We had a family come from Zimbabwe. We were a white, Anglo-Canadian church. Let me tell you something about vanilla. Not a lot of flavor, you know what I mean? I love multicultural. I love it. There's some, there's some hardships with that. There's some difficulties with that sometimes, but I love, I love people. I love where people come from. I love the different foods you have. I love the different tongue you have in speaking. I love the culture. I love it. And God puts me in whitey, white, white St. Thomas. Cruel. Cruel. People are looking for Jesus. People from Asia are looking for Jesus. People from India are looking for Jesus. People in China are looking for Jesus. People in Canada are looking for Jesus. We just don't know it. We'll try everything in this world except Jesus. i got to tell you, our culture as Canadians has changed drastically. There was a day when people did not work on Sundays in Canada. Did you know that? Not too many years ago. I'm 55 years of age, so about 40 years ago, one generation. I went to school and my teacher taught us with, with a picture that families pray. And on the other side of that picture, there was a picture of a family and they were going to a building and it had a, had a, had a big roof and a big cross on the top and, and dad had a suit on and he was holding his son's hand and he had a little suit on and there was a mom in, in, in a dress with a hat on and there was a little girl in a dress with gloves on. They were going to... That was in our public school. That was when I was in grade two. What is this family doing? The answer, they're going to church. Here's the next question. Does your family do this? Could you imagine today in Canada, a teacher giving out a thing and asking if you pray and go to church? Oh my goodness, there'd be an uproar. They'd go crazy. That's how much this nation has changed in a few years. And why? Because we got away from the Word of God. We got away from the Bible. We got away from praying in schools. We got away from saying the Lord's Prayer in our schools. We got away from teachers being able to teach from the Bible in our schools. All because we don't want to offend. Well, it's time that we start offending again and letting people know there is a Jesus. There is a hope. We better do it. Finally, people personally persuade people. In verse 46, it is said, can there any, can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel, now watch. Don't just take my word for it, he says. Come and see for yourself. Can any good thing come out of, out of Nazareth? I've been to Nazareth. It's just a tiny little village on a hillside. I've been to the olive press that, that Jesus Christ probably uh, crushed the olives at and got the oil out of. I've been to the, the only well there in the city. He would have gone with his mother to draw water. I've been, I can see it. Can any good thing come out of that little village? Th- those people over there, those dirt farmers? He says, listen, don't take my word for it. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Andrew brings Peter. Andrew and Peter bring Philip. And Philip brings Nathaniel. Each a personal persuasion. I've found him. Come and see him. And they bring him to Jesus. Here's what we do. Hey, are you having a rough life? Yes. You need Jesus. Okay. See you Sunday. No, no, no. Got to bring him. Got to bring him. You gotta say, hey, listen, man, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. I want you to know the joy of Jesus in your life. I want you to have Him personally in your life. Could I show you how to know Jesus Christ? Could I take a Bible and show you Him? Could you see Him? Look at Him. You, you can almost picture Him in your mind's eye. Would you like to come and know Him? Yes, I would. Let me take a Bible and show you how to do that. 
Well, I'm not quite ready for that. Then listen, would you come Sunday and listen to my pastor preaching when we're done the service. You and I will sit down with the pastor and he'll go through the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus Christ. How much effort are we putting in to do that? Bringing someone to Jesus Christ. You've got to come and see. If we had that kind of excitement. Hey, would you like to come to our Easter program? It's going to be pretty good. we got some music and stuff. No, no, no. Oh, man, listen, I want to tell you what. My life is so good. I want to tell you. Somebody asked my name, how are you doing? I said, if I was any better, I'd cancel my health insurance. I don't even have health insurance. I live in Canada. I'm doing good. Man, I'm saved. i got Jesus Christ. If this world collapses, I've got Jesus. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Jesus meets all my needs and then some. I'm telling you, my life is good. People ask all the time, are you from the States? I'm not. I'm from Newfoundland. <laughs> no, I'm not. i got shoes on. Um, <laughs> don't mess with me. <laughs> you should know better than that. <laughs> Listen, people say, you Canadians? Yeah, I'm Canadian. You know we're all going the most Canadians. Well, that's sad because every one of us ought to be so excited. We live in the greatest nation in the world. We have so many wonderful things in our nation. We've got churches to meet in. We've got a freedom to do it. We're passing out John of Romans by the millions. We're seeing people come to church and get saved. We're having happy things happen. We've got great families. We've got great health care. We've got so many good things. But the greatest thing I've got is a trust in Jesus Christ. I've got a hope in Jesus Christ. And you don't have that. And that's why you're drinking yourself senseless. And that's why you've got to have drugs in your home. And that's why your kid's bringing pot cookies to school. And that's why you're addicted to pornography. Because you don't have Jesus. And if you had Him, You'd be like me. Oh, listen, folks, we need to start persuading people because you'll never get missions. You'll never understand missions until you make it personal where you're going out and telling people about Jesus Christ. And you know the frustration when people say, no, I don't want that. You get the frustration when people call and say, listen, you keep your stinking general Romans. We don't want it in our mailbox. You'll know the frustration when people don't come to church when you ask them. But there will also be times when people do come and they do get saved and they do join the church and they do uh, grow in the things of the Lord and they begin to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And you'll know that. But not unless you make it personal. Each of these would go on to propagate the gospel throughout the world, these men. But it all started at home. People bringing people to Jesus. You'll never have a heart to really know and support missions until you first have a heart to really know and win those you know. Young men tonight. We desperately need preachers. Desperately need. I'm telling you, I, I'd hate to see the young men you've got working with you go out, but I'll tell you what, they need to go out. They need, you guys, you need to be praying, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. If I can't be a, a preacher, a pastor of, of church, then let me be the best second man I can to help that man. We need young men. Some of you young guys need to pray now. Lord, can I go? Lord, can I go? There ought, there ought to be an enthusiasm. Can I go? And there ought to be a disappointment if God says, no, I need you to be a plumber. I need you to be a factory worker. I need you to be a dentist. Be a disappointment. Lord, I'll do it. I'll be happy doing it. But, boy, I'd really like to preach. How could we ever have a heart for those we will never know until we have a heart to win those we do? How can you ever have a heart to win people in Spain or Italy or France or South America, or Asia, you'll never see them. You'll never know them. How could we ever care about them till we first care about those that we do know and see on a regular basis? Who do you personally perceive right now that needs the gospel? 
Who could you personally persuade to meet Jesus? Who's the last person you piloted to Christ? Productive missions is personal. Let me challenge you right now to say, Lord, I need to make this personal. Lord, there's someone I know that's lost. I've not shared the gospel or haven't shared it for a very long time. And God, tonight, I'm convicted of that. And God, tonight, I want to make missions personal so that it might be productive missions. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for a wonderful evening. Thank you for these folks who've worked hard today. They've had to travel across the city, some of them, and scarf down a little bit of food, change real quick, and come to church. And God, I thank you tonight that they've come. Bless them for that. Bless them mightily for that. Lord, I pray tonight as we sat here and listened to this message that our hearts would begin to bind together, that over these next few days that we might see something even more incredible done by way of missions. But Father, may these folks know it'll never happen till we make it personal. There are people in this auditorium tonight who have never had the privilege of leading someone to Jesus Christ. They've been too afraid. They've been too shy. They've been too backward. They've got some excuse. But Father, there is someone out there tonight who is perfect for them to give the gospel to. There is somebody waiting for someone like them to come. I wouldn't be able to win them, but they would. Father, tonight, break our hearts to make a move to come and pray for those that we know we could persuade to know Jesus Christ. That we could pilot to Jesus Christ. And Father, let us begin now to make the missions program of Legacy Baptist Church personal. And we pray it in Jesus' name.